Welcome to the PTSD Podcast with your host, comedian and military veteran, Bernard the Laugh Therapist Hines, where we discuss PTSD, processing traumatic situations differently, and give you tools to help you overcome the stigma of seeking help. If you're ready to be inspired, then welcome to the Stigma-Free Zone. Here's your host, the lap therapist himself, Bernard Hines. Good evening, everybody. This is your boy, Bernard Hines, a.k.a. the lap therapist. And I want to just thank you all for being here on today for this podcast, PTSD, Processing Traumatic Situations Differently. Listen, y'all, we are here to have a informational Speaking tonight, my guest will be Mr. Bob Taylor, uh, Air Force, retired Air Force man. Right now, I'm just going to bring him on in. How you doing, sir? I'm doing awesome. Today is uh, the side of Michigan, western Michigan, doesn't always get sunshine because of the okay. lake effect. So, but today we have beautiful sunshine, so we're having a good day. It's always good to have great sunshine. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you, sir, for being here with us today. It is it is awesome to have you. You are doing some great work that we're going to be talking about on this podcast, and it is awesome, awesome to have you. Uh, could you tell the listeners a little bit about you? Sure. I just you know, I'm a I'm a kind of a Joe Average Midwestern guy. I grew up in Saginaw, Michigan. I went to uh, Michigan State University, and um, my senior year of going there. I, uh, my dad had passed away a couple years ago and I kind of heard a voice, him kind of reflecting on how he always wished he would learn to fly. Okay. And just so happened that I was walking in front of the air force recruiting office, took a right turn. And nine months later I was at officer's training school and ended up, uh, in navigator training for B-52s. Wow. So nine months later you was birthed. <laughs> I, I had a, I was rebirthed. You was rebirthed. That is, <laughs> that is wild. So Air Force, yes, I'm re, I'm Army. So hey, as we say about each other, we can talk about us, but can't nobody else talk about us if you That's ain't exactly serving. I want right. to thank you right now, sir, for your service. I want to thank you for your service. Now we're gonna jump right into this interview. Now you can speak about the myth behind the challenges military veterans face because you say it's not always PTSD. Can you explain that to the listeners? No, I think uh, so. There are 22 million veterans in the United States right now. And by statistics, about 11 million of them are struggling. Mm -hmm. And it could be, it's a whole spectrum, right? It's guys that are really suffering from PTSD, from depression, from uh, irritability, Mm -hmm. all those things. But then there's, you know, this thing about, What's my identity? What's my purpose? What's who am I? Correct. And you you bundle those all together, and it, I just describe them as struggles. You're right. And uh, you know how we get through that, and how we're dis- how we discover that we're in that is different for everybody. Correct. Correct. Everybody processes it differently. That's absolutely right. And the other thing is. Um, we're all individuals. We all have our independent struggles, but we're all the same in a way, okay. you know, we're, we're different, but we're the same. Um, the number one complaint of 
veterans that struggle is that they don't feel understood. That is it. And they feel isolated. Okay. So you've got a group of 11 million veterans that feel isolated and Mm -hmm. nobody understands them. Well, there's a, there's a way, there's a path through that that will help people figure out how to get through it, how to, um, and that's really what I did the research uh, to write my book was to try and lay out a roadmap to help veterans really figure that out. That's good. That's good. Now, how, now we're going to get to your book, but how did you figure that out? So when I, uh, I served as a B-52 navigator in Operation Desert Storm, we flew okay. 11 combat missions. And I didn't, you know, I didn't experience hand-to-hand combat. I wasn't mm-hmm. on the ground. But for whatever reason, when when we got back, I started having these hellaciously violent nightmares. Correct. Okay. And uh, just as strangely as they started about six months later, they went away. Mm. And so I thought, oh, that's that's behind me. And then it was about 16 years later. Uh, and I had kind of had my struggles that I thought, oh, I can handle it. I, I'll handle this on my own. But then the nightmares came back. Mm. And it was they were so bad that I was kind of afraid to go to sleep. Yeah. I because I, I knew that they were coming. So I started drinking a little bit. Okay. And thinking that that was going to help me sleep. And, you know, if one drink helps, then maybe two, then maybe more. And uh, I just, it wasn't helping. It made you numb. It made me, it kind of helped me fall asleep, but I was still going to wake up from the nightmare. So nothing I was doing on my own was helping. And I, I just realized that I wasn't the person I wanted to be. I wasn't the version of myself that I thought I could be. So after 16 years of trying to do this and then after getting behind the eight ball with my sleep, I decided I was going to go get help. Okay. And I went to the VA and I was so motivated. I told her, my counselor, I said, I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will be your best patient that you've ever had. And I feel like I lived up to that. And over the years, um, it helped me. Good. That's And see, that's the key that I always tell everybody is, is when that veteran realizes that, listen, I need help. I, we, we can be tough. We can be everything, but it's, uh, and family members can want it sometimes more than the veteran does. Absolutely. Well, they see our struggles. Correct. And we don't necessarily see our struggles. We just think that we're, we're handling it. I got it. No one understands. I got it myself. I can handle it. And the fact is, chances are we're not handling it. Right. (laughs) We're, we're, we're mission driven. Get the mission done regardless. But the, but the thing is, is that I realized is that, you know, when we're in the military, we get we go through our basic training or officer's training, whatever it is. And then we get uh, more specialized training. And then, you know, along the way, we learn so much about the job that we're supposed to do. We become experts at it. Mm-hmm. And we're 
you know, we've got discipline, we've got teamwork, we've got problem solving, we can think on our feet, we can make decisions. Well, those are all the tools that, that we got out of the military. Correct. But when we get out, we don't have those tools. Mm-hmm. We don't have those mental health tools that a professional has. Correct. It's like, um, you know, if I wanted to learn how to play golf, I'm not just going to go buy a bag of clubs and think I'm going to be good. Right. You know, if you really want to be good, you're probably going to get lessons, right? That's good. And so whatever it is we want to be good at, maybe we need to get some help or a coach or a mentor. Or mm-hmm. in in the case of our mental health, all it is, instead of calling them a coach or mentor, you call them a counselor. That's it. And they've seen this hundreds of times. And so they know the tools that they need to train us on, on how to, I asked a a counselor the other day, I said, how, how often when you get a veteran and you develop a care plan and they follow through, how often do they get better? She said, almost always. I truly believe it. And first she said, if they follow up <laughs> and I said, yes, assuming that they follow up and I, that's a, that's a phenomenal track record. Mm-hmm. If you go in, they develop a care plan for you, you, and they ask you to do things and you do them, you're going to get better. You might right. not get all better, right? It's mm-hmm. not about perfect. It's not about getting all better. There you go. You're going to get better. And that's what I think we need to understand is that there's a path to getting better. There you go. It's not being perfect. It's getting better. And I love, I love the way you say um, coach, mentor, something like that. Instead, you know, cause some people are like, I don't want to go see no therapist. Okay. Go see a coach. Go see, call him a mentor, call him whatever you would like to call him. Yeah. Just, <laughs> call him warm and fuzzy. I don't care. What. I don't care. As long as you go and get the help that is out there for you. Listen, y'all today we're talking to Mr. Bob Taylor. He's a retired air force major, uh, flew mission, uh, combat missions during De- operation desert storm. And, uh, he's, uh, has a wealth of knowledge. Now, Three of the most common issues that plague veterans after transition from military life. Is there any way you can speak to that? It could be more, but what are the most yeah, common ones? I would say some of the most common are when we get out, we lose our identity of who we were in the military. I talked to someone just a couple of weeks ago, said I was at E6. I lost my stripes. I knew who mm. I was. And uh, I you know, I can relate to that. Um, you know, your rank has has meaning. It Correct. tells you something. And then your specialty, what whatever you did. So we have these identities of, of who we were, and we lose those identities. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another issue is what we did in the military was really important. Okay. For a lot of us. Um, it. You know, we were operating on a higher calling. We had a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, guys don't fall on grenade because they want to be a hero. 
they just never want to let the person down next to them, right? They never want, you never want to let your buddy down. And so we lose that sense. And then a lot of guys or gals believe that their best days are behind them. Mm. You know, like they, like for me, I felt that I was an awesome navigator. Okay. Or or an awesome radar navigator. I did my job really well. And uh, you can, you can see how some people think, well, that's the best it's ever going to be. Right. What could I possibly do that's going to be as important mm-hmm. and meaningful as well as doing the military? And the thing that I'll say, and I mean this, is the best days are not behind us. Say that again. Yes. Our best days are not behind us. Our best days are in front of us. Correct. And when when I talk to veterans, I, I remind them, your training, probably not easy. Mm-hmm. Your mission's probably even tougher, mm-hmm. right? There were some tough aspects of what we did when we were in the military. Correct. We had to gut it out. We had to grind it out, but we did it. Mm-hmm. Well, when we get out of the military, we can't just assume things are going to start being easy. You know, so some, some folks um, run into some obstacles trying to get into the VA or right. trying to find the job that they want or you know, you run into hurdles. Well, sorry, life is filled with hurdles. Yes, it is. And you got to bear down. You got to fight it out. And you got to work for things that are really important to you. I think I think one of the major things that really uh, threw me is when I got out and I went to job interviews. I'm in the Army for 20 years. OK, now I went to Soldier of the Year boards and stuff like that. But now I'm talking about an interview, and there's some people on the other side of the desk questioning my ability. Man, I done been to war. I done did this. I, why you question me about a little IT job? You know, so you feel like yeah. you, it feels so, like I done done all this, and you can't see what I have done. So it's like you starting over. So, Bernard, I just wrote a an article uh, that was just recently published called um, – the name of the article was CEOs and Veterans – Two ships passing in the night. Mm. Some, you know, HR departments or CEOs, they're out there looking for skills. Okay. Okay. What skill do you have? Can you do this software? Can you do that? Can Correct. You know, do you have experience being a CPA or do you have experience doing this type of work? Well, that's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I, in my company... I interview for talent, okay. not skills, because skills are obsoleted. Times change, and all of a sudden that software is obsolete. That's true. It doesn't matter if you have that skill. What I want is someone that has drive, mm-hmm. determination, dedication, mm-hmm. intellectual curiosity, good problem solving, teamwork. Guess what? That's what? Every veteran is steeped in all of that stuff. All of that. That's right. All of it. Leadership, problem solving, dedication. Veterans are more likely to stay with a company than a non-veteran. That is true. And so, but on the other side, veterans struggle to communicate that, right? Okay. They talk about, you know, how do I, uh, I was a, I was a turret gunner on a Humvee or I was a, you know, how many skills 
in the civilian world require a B-52 navigator. It's right. It's not out there. So what a veteran needs to go into that interview prepared to talk about those experiences that make them a good leader mm-hmm. okay. or that demonstrate because nothing in the military happens from a single individual. It's all teamwork, right? All teamwork. Correct. All teamwork. Well, guess what they need in the civilian world? They need good teamwork, good, good collaboration. Team. Right. And so the reason why I said two ships passing in a night is you've got a CEO that needs everything a veteran has to offer. And you've got a veteran that doesn't know how to tell the CEO that they have everything that they need. Mm. And so they're not connecting. Wow. So that's the experience you had is experience that many, many veterans have. So what needs to happen is the HR departments need to communicate to their to the people that are hiring, you need to interview for these types of questions. Ask people how they overcame adversity. Right. Uh, what did you do that demonstrates great leadership? You know, if they ask the questions, military people have all those answers, right? All of them. <laughs> I mean, what person in the military didn't face adversity? Correct. It's, it, I mean, we swim in it Daily. every day. Yeah, daily. <laughs> daily. It's, daily. It's That's just, right. It's just part and parcel of what we do. And it doesn't matter if you're in Army, Marine, Air Force. We all have the same basic experiences of dealing with, with our military lives. But it's all about overcoming adversity, working together as a team to overcome that adversity, and just being great problem solvers. And those that is what companies need. That's good. That is good. Listen, y'all, Mr. Bob Taylor, he's dropping some great nuggets. Y'all, he is dropping some great nuggets. Now, you also say four tips to self-forgiveness every veteran needs. And I know that's hard for a lot of veterans. They have survivor's guilt. They have, a, a, you know, they're struggling with, a, a, like I say, survivor's guilt and stuff like that. I, I, yeah, so... Uh, Veterans, I think more than almost any population group in the country, is hard on themselves. Correct. They have such high expectations that they hold themselves to a standard that is higher than almost anyone else. So Mm -hmm. if someone was um, injured or died in our unit, uh, many veterans say, you know, if I'd been on that mission, that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, Jim went on that mission instead of me, and he died. That should have been me. And, you know, we just invent these things. We're not in control of everything, right? Correct. Correct. And who knows what would happen on any given day? Correct. Yes. So the the biggest first step is to recognize that we need to forgive ourselves, right? That's it. And I don't, I don't try and push my religion on anyone, but every Sunday in church, the first thing we do is we talk about forgiveness. Yes. Yes, we do. And we ask for forgiveness for the things that we've done or the things that we've left undone. That's good. And 
that's a that's a simple thing to remind ourselves to just ask for forgiveness for the things that I've done or the things I've left undone for the people I've treated in a way that I shouldn't mm-hmm. have or the people I could have treated better. And if you just start with those kinds of questions or those types of comments, your mind is going to start um, being open to forgiveness. Another trick that I've um, done on forgiveness is you take a piece of paper. Okay. And you write out something that is really weighing on your mind. Like it's something that you feel absolutely terrible about. You just write it out on the piece of paper and then you go over to a, like a little metal dish and you light it on fire mm-hmm. Okay. and you just watch that burn and it turns into ash and it just vaporizes. Just seeing that guilt of what you've been carrying just turn into lighter than air. It turns into just the smoke that just vaporizes away. It's a very healing kind of experience. And it allows people to just kind of let go of something that they're carrying around. Chances are the people that you believe that you harmed probably didn't even know it or have gotten over it or have already forgiven you for the very thing that you're carrying around. And so forgiveness is not necessarily for someone else. It's for you. It's for us. That's right. It's for the person that is the person that needs that is needs to be forgiven. Yep. That that is wow. That is good. That is good. So, how did your faith play in this in your recovery? So my faith journey is, uh, you know, I lost my dad when I was twenty one years old, and uh, I kind of um, veered away from my faith. Okay. For a bit. My wife brought me back. And, um, but I would say that I've been on a, um, a pretty strong faith journey since that time. And, um, it's helped me. It's helped me in accepting who I am mm-hmm. and, uh, belief, faith that God has a, um, a greater plan for me. That's good. And I strive every day trying to become what God designed me to be. Okay. And that, and that's all we can do. That's all we can do. I I am a man of faith myself. And just knowing that I have as, as um, my coach, my mentor would say, I, when I try to talk to veterans and I, I don't try to, as you, push my faith on them. I just say the God of your understanding, I, whatever, you know, whatever you need, but we have to have something that we strive for. That is, that is good. That is good. What are the, some of the most common issues that plague veterans after transitioning from military life? It's just that, uh, you know, um, when we get out, we're ill-prepared. Okay. Right? True. True. I say that we, we just, we don't have the skills and tools of what we're going to do. So quickly we get overwhelmed. You know, maybe we didn't land the job that we wanted. Uh, bills are starting to pile up. Um, we're not sleeping well. 
maybe we're drinking a little bit. Maybe, uh, you know, some of us do some drugs here and there, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we get ourselves into a, a predicament and, um, and it hap- it can happen pretty quickly. Correct. Um, and then we have this attitude where we can do it all on our own. <laughs> and, um, and then we forget what got us to where we are, that we were, I call it being part of a tribe, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're in the military, we're part of a tribe. That's right. Uh, we're brothers. We're we're brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. but uh, we're close. And when we get out, we can't go without a tribe. That's right. Uh, we might not have the same one that we had in the military, but we got to go find one. That's right. And chances are it's family, it's friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so in this book that I wrote from service to success, what I'm trying to help people with is helping them understand how to reconnect. Okay. And the the book I wrote isn't just for veterans. It's not just to help veterans get through this. It's to help family members and friends learn about what their veterans are going through. That's good. Because if one side says, y'all don't understand me. And the other side says, well, teach me. Right. And there's just no, there's no path. So from service to success kind of helps. I, I even envision people reading the book together. And, and, and that's good because when a person leaves for war, they're not coming back the same. I, and, and that was my biggest struggle with my family. You know, my meet, not my media family, but my distant family. When I came back, you know, I was supposed to be the same Vernal who left. No, no, no. You can't un, you can't unsee what you have seen. You can't, right. yeah. You've been, you've been shaped by Correct. your experiences, right? Correct. So part of this is you need to kind of get reshaped mm-hmm. for your civilian life. And at the same time, your family and friends need to kind of change their expectations they need to understand you are different you are correct and but that's not bad different at all at right? all but you're not you're just not the same bernard that that left correct you came back you're different well let's have a party <laughs> let's you know let's get together and let's talk about the new bernard correct and and is one of the things that my family just loved, me and my wife, she just learned about, because my wife wasn't with me while I was in the military. So she didn't know pre-Vernard. She just know PTSD Vernard. So, you know, it has some good and bad things that come with it. But she always wondered why I would answer the phone immediately when it rings. Had to play back and ask my therapist. And I realized when I was in Iraq, I was communications. Oh, yeah. So if you don't answer the call <laughs> thinking somebody's dead you thinking right. if someone's called you you got to let them hey i'm alive roger that so that was that was still part of me and we carry some of that things from the military into civilian life and it's not all bad it's, it's not all bad we look at it as being bad it's not all bad it's not all bad it's just different it's just different that's right and um you know the thing that um when we have 
PTSD or whatever. The the other thing that's really tough is the depression. Yes. And uh, it's hard for someone that isn't depressed to watch someone who is depressed. That's true. And like I described it, uh, I'll, I'll describe it to anyone that wants to listen. The way I experienced depression isn't about being sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's like living life in molasses. Mm. Every everything's a little slower. Mm-hmm. Everything's just a little duller. Everything's a little harder, mm-hmm. and it's just not as crisp and clean and enjoyable. Correct. As when you're not depressed, and the irritability. I'll, I'll tell people, anyone that has family probably has one of those relatives that irritates them, <laughs> says the wrong thing at the wrong time at the wrong time. Yeah. Right. Well, the irritability that I experienced with PTSD is like, what if everyone seemed like that? Mm. Everyone says the wrong thing at the wrong mm-hmm. time. Or um, I describe it as just everything around you is a little thorny. Correct. Just, you know, you just feel like you can't do anything the way you want to, or you bump into something in it. And so it's you're <laughs> irritable all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's some of the stuff that we're dealing with, but we just have to find a path through that. And that's what comes through getting help. Correct. That's, that's, that is, man, listen, y'all, we're talking to Mr. Bob Taylor, retired Air Force major. And now let's talk about this awesome book that you've been speaking on. What is the name of the book, sir? So the name of the book is From Service to Success, New Mission, New Purpose, and a New Path to a Great Life. Come on. Hey, I'm sure you can buy that book anywhere. <laughs> well, uh, right now, it's it just came out May 2nd. It's all over, you know, online, at bookstores. Yes. Uh, but the one thing that I'll, I'll ask your viewers is um, we're – I'm on a mission to try and donate as many of these books to veterans as I can. Okay. I'd like, we've already donated about 1800 mm. and I'll, I'll go to the VA hospitals and I'll donate them to veterans there or veteran service organizations. I'm going all over the place donating these books. So we've already donated 1800, but I have a website called patriotpromise.org. Okay. And right now between now and Memorial day, we're doubling all the donations. Oh, wow. So, and we'll probably keep this going after uh, Memorial Day as well. But um, if you buy one, we used to donate one. Now we're donating two. Okay. Uh, you can buy one, donate 10, or buy one and donate 20. I think it costs eight, $80 to donate 20 books right now. Okay. But if they can go to that site, um, I don't benefit financially from any of these donated books. I try and do everything I can to get them in the hands. I travel on my personal dime. Uh, I just take them out to these uh, VA hospitals and I give them to veterans. I sign them. I give them a challenge coin or a patch. And I just want to make sure that we get these out there. I was, I was talking to a counselor the other day and uh, she told me that a veteran came into her office 
Bushisian, and he was reading the book, and he told her that uh, after reading it, he decided that he was going to start coming up with some goals in his life, and and I and it brought me to tears. That's right. That's the, it. Brought yeah. me to tears because you know I can never predict how someone's going to feel when they read this book. Correct. But for one person to impact that life means the world to me. That's it. And, and and that's what I try to tell everybody is there are a lot of resources out here and I just want to be a resource. And what you, you know, you just want to be a resource, but if you reach one person, then that person will reach another person and it goes on and on and on. So I work at a, uh, I don't work. I'm a professional comedian, but I do work, work. That's, that's work. Yes, that's work. Uh, and I go to a place called safe Harbor and is a mental, um, is a veterans organization that uh, has inpatient services for veterans who are in recovery from alcohol and drug abuse. And I want to donate. I want to purchase or however, and give away those 20 books to those uh, veterans in there. So I would make that commitment. Cause yeah, I really... just reach out uh, Liz Nolan. Yeah. We'll make sure that we get those books to whoever you need to. Okay. Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This has been good. This has been good. I, I just want to kind of end on this note. Okay. How does therapeutic relationships play a role in the veterans healing process? I talked to, um, I talked to a lot of counselors, coaches, mentors, okay. whatever you want. Right. And um, I'm just, you know, if, if someone gets into the VA system, mm-hmm. there's a statistic that um, suicides are reduced by 34%. Okay. So just the step of asking for help, going to get help from the VA reduces the chances of suicide by over a third. Wow. I think that's stunning. Very, very stunning. So what what I want to recommend to any veteran listening to this is just, you know, you might think that you have it on your own. You might think that you got it all by yourself, but chances are you don't. Mm -hmm. And it's not a failure. It's not anything wrong. It's just saying, hey, I'm going to go get some help. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't have to be stuck with the first person you run into. If you go in to see a counselor and you don't like that person, you can go get someone else. That is it. That's my biggest thing. If you don't like, if it doesn't feel right, and then you can still go and find someone else. I'm sorry. That is my main one right there. Yeah. Because it has to be someone that you feel comfortable with. You're going to start Correct. sharing some of the deepest, darkest secrets of your life. And you're going to start sharing and getting help from someone you want to be someone you feel comfortable with. That's right. That's right. I, One of my, as we say about tribes, one of my best ways that I've felt like I regained something is when I went to my group therapy with my veterans. I went to group therapy and just hearing, you know, because we always said, don't nobody understand us. Don't nobody understand our lingo. You know what I'm saying? But just to hear them talking and hear, I felt like, okay, I'm part of something now. So I can bring something back to them and tell them what I'm going through. And they don't look at me like, man, you crazy. You know, they'd be like, I understand that. Yes, right. I went through that. So it's, 
you have to find your niche and it's different things. That's just like with anything. I tell everybody, if you go to a club and you don't like it, you find another club, you go to a church, you don't like it. You find another church, you go to this. So don't say just because you had a bad therapist or you had a bad experience, you're not going to go anymore. Let's not, let's, let's kill that stigma. Right. And you know, Bernard, when, when you and I are talking, I can see in your body language when you and I connect (laughs) and that, you know, we don't have the same background. Correct. You know, we're we're different people, Mm -hmm. but just in sharing some of these stories, I can tell that you and I have these connections and these similar experiences. And uh, we do speak some of the same language Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I hope someday I get a chance to meet you and uh, maybe I can go to one of your comedy shows and uh, yes. enjoy your enjoy some of your good humor. Uh, listen, I I keep it clean and I keep it I keep it clean. I keep it funny. I'm I'm, I'm comedy. You can trust. You but, go. sir, if you would if you would uh, give us a list of your website so how people can find you and, and get in touch with you, because I know you have a, a lot of them. I think it's three that I know of personally. Yeah, so the main, um, if you can um, just follow us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, it's under The Patriot Promise. The Patriot Promise. Yep, and then the website where you can go get the book or or learn about what we're doing is patriotpromise.org, O-R-G, patriotpromise.org. Okay. Listen, y'all, please, please, please go get his book. Please follow him on all social media. I mean, he is doing a whole lot of good work out here for veterans. And that's what we need. We need people who have had lived experience. We process our trauma differently and we process it differently to be helping other veterans and helping other people. And that's our goal. That's all goes. Is there any last parting words you would like to say, Mr. Taylor? Just uh, first of all, Godspeed to you and all your listeners. Uh, I wish everyone um, just remember your best days are not behind you. They're in front of you. And um, you've got some great possibilities and a great life in front of you. All right, let's go and blow up patriotpromise.org. Let's go and, and blow it up and make him more famous than he is right now. <laughs> Sir, I want to thank you for your time and may you have a great evening. You are now released from the stigma-free zone. I'm grateful. Thanks for listening to the PTSD Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit follow or subscribe on all podcast platforms so you can stay up to date on new episodes. Until next time, stay stigma-free.